it's wonderful to see all your faces and giving up the time to actually be here to hear ideas and to actually discuss ideas. So first things first, why am I here? I'm here to discuss this topic. If we do not shape perception, perception will shape us. Why have I decided to talk about this at this time? Well, we live in a time where politically and culturally we seem to be regressing. White nativists seem to be picking on dialogue and the narrative. The internet is fueled with all sorts of different ideas, ideas that tell people like myself that I do not belong. So what do we do about that? How can I counter that? How can we as artists counter that perception? Well, I teach screenwriting and I'm a screenwriting consultant. And 82% of my students always tell me that they would like to change the world. Hmm, that's a huge, huge thing that they want to do. How do we change the world? Well, one of the things I do is to think about perception. What are the stories I'm putting out there? So my first, I would say, big encounter with perception is when I spoke to an aunt of mine. We've all been there as artists where they sit with us and they ask you, what do you want to do with your life? And then you stand up or you sit down and this, you, know, you can imagine a lovely warm summer's day in Nigeria. And I said, I wanted to work in television. I wanted to work as a filmmaker. And there was a long pause, a very long pause. And then she said, hmm, I don't think it's a good idea. We're professionals. There is no value in being an artist. What are you going to do? You've got to be a wife. You've got to be a mother, as well as an artist. No one's going to take you seriously. Your husband won't take you seriously. You probably won't marry. And furthermore, how do you combine that with being a wife and mother? Even someone like Margaret Thatcher has to cook for her husband, even though she's the Prime Minister of England. So I remember sitting there for a while. It stayed with me. Her thoughts and her, and her words stayed with me. And I quickly changed my idea because, I, obviously, when you're young, you're impressionable. You want to impress those that are older than you. And then something wonderful happened to me. I went to Nigerian Television Authority, and I saw this wonderful woman called Lola Fanikadu, and she was editing, editing one of the most popular soaps. That made an impression on me. She was happily married, and she was shaping perception. And I decided I was going to do something in film and television, regardless of what it is to be a wife and to be a mother in Nigerian society. So why am I talking about perception? Perceptions are molded by stories. Perception influence and they guide our thoughts. Perceptions actually help us make decisions that we make on a daily basis. So as artists, we have a responsibility to shape perception. So let's think of the films because I come into the creative space as a filmmaker that have created perception and have shaped perception. A short film about killing. This film, we have a protagonist that kills a taxi driver. But what happens in the film is that we see how the state brutally, brutally kills him. What happened after that film was released? The Polish government had to review the whole idea of corporal killing and how the state actually administers the death penalty. We look at a girl in the river. This is a film about honor killing. We have a father who's killed his daughter, and he still doesn't understand what he has done is wrong. But what this film managed to do 
it managed to move the Prime Minister of Pakistan to review honor-killing laws in Pakistan. Selma is about Martin Luther King, and it's about the whole idea of giving black people dignity, giving black people the right and the space to be human beings within the American story. This film came out at a time that there was racial tension in America. And what did it do? It helped reinvigorate Black Lives Matter. This is the power of perception. Philadelphia, before this film came out, 51% of the American public said that people with AIDS should be quarantined. 15% said they would like them tattooed. When this film came out, people started to have a dialogue about AIDS. They started to have a dialogue about homosexuality, a proper dialogue. The list goes on and on. I can think of another film, Rosetta, which is about a teenage girl that's looking after an alcoholic mother and is being abused at work. That film forced the Belgian government to look and protect teenagers at work. And the list goes on and on and on and on. This is what we can do as artists. We can shape perception. Now, apart from the cultural cachet that we have as artists, let's think about what we contribute to society financially. The creative industries has contributed 91 billion pounds to this economy. That's over 5% of the GDP. You, as artists, you've contributed that. Not only do you shape perception, you actually contribute and you have value. Look at what our creative industries are made of. It's made of advertising, it's made of marketing, architecture, crafts, design, designer fashion, film, TV, video, radio, photography, IT software, computer services, publishing, museums, galleries, libraries, music, performance, performing, and visual arts. All of these categories make up the creative industries. All these categories, all the people working in these industries are shaping our perception. Not only are they doing it culturally, they're doing it financially. They're actually doing more than the aerospace, life and science, oil, and the car industry are doing put together. Who would have thought that? That's what we're doing, and that is a wonderful thing. So, as an artist, we have to ask ourselves, what do we do with this power? How do we harness this political power this cultural power, this financial power? Well, I think we have to start speaking truth to ourselves. We have to face our own bigotry. We have to face the things that we have brought to the landscape when we create. So in my case, for instance, I'm a screenwriter. And as a screenwriter, I create characters. And it's through characters that people find meaning. They work out their own lives. They watch that character going on a journey, and they're figuring out, oh, this is how this person has managed their lives. They've given me hope. They've inspired me. I can go out and do the same. This is the lesson I learned through tragedy. I can go out and do the same. That is what I do. So, for example, when I was writing The Window, which is a Channel 4 film, with that film, I had the choice. I had two working-class um, African women, and with them, I could have sort of ticked the boxes. There's no okay K representation. I don't need to do much about them. But no. I could hear my auntie's voice. I could hear her tell me the limitations of women. And I thought, no, I am going to give these women the power of possibility. So the last two lines of that screenplay, I remember I had one woman say to another, look, what do we do now? 
the other lady turned to her and said, we can do anything we want. And those were the most satisfying lines I've ever written for a screenplay. So we owe it to ourselves to create and shape perception. If not, this film, The Triumph of the Will, it created an atmosphere where 58 million Germans thought it was okay to exterminate 6 million Jews and 4 million other um, members of the German society at the time. We look at a film like A Birth of a Nation. What did it do? It fueled 100% membership of the Ku Klux Klan. It's up to us. So we've got this wonderful little girl here. What do we say about her? Do we say that it's okay for her to look forward to her future? To be part of the narrative you create? To be part of the story of the world that you are going to create? Or do we sit back and do nothing and let her die inside because we as, as artists, we didn't do what we should have done? Thank you very much.